This is Southeast Asia Crossroads, an educational podcast from the Center for Southeast Asian Studies at Northern Illinois University. Today we sit down with Ikra Anugrah and discuss the contours of agrarian transformation and peasant resistance in contemporary Indonesia. Welcome to another edition of Southeast Asia Crossroads. I'm your host, Eric Jones, and with me in studio today is uh, Ikra Anugrah. Welcome, Ikra. Uh, hi, um, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Now, um, Ikra is a, is a scholar who works on comparative politics, uh, political theory, uh, and democratization, development, statecraft, social movements, everyday politics. A good uh, a good a good menu of uh, his his latest research project is uh, elite peasant relations in post authoritarian Indonesia, decentralization, dispossession, and uh, counter movement. And he gave a great uh, uh, talk to us today, and we wanted to have him in studio and um, and hear from him. So again, thanks for um, uh, thanks for joining us. So so Ikra, give us a bit of uh, of a rundown of what we're talking here. Maybe a little thumbnail history of modern agrarian movements in Indonesia, kind of late nineteenth century on to, mm-hmm. to the period you're working on. Mm-hmm. Well, um, first of all, the uh, introduction of me that you mentioned gives a lot of scholarly <laughs> burdens. Actually, uh, I'm not no uh, pressure. I'm yeah. not that great. Um, uh, I'm a new scholar, really, on this topic. But I think I'll start with um, the history of uh, contemporary Indonesia. I see it as um, uh, uh, an oscillating impulses between um, um, populist. Um, impulse on one hand and developmentalist impulse. Um, there is this. Um, uh, there is this uh, 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 call to pay attention to peasant livelihood on one side, but on the other side, there is um, this uh, 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 drive toward large scale investment in agriculture and plantation sectors. And um, this is a country with a uh, with a rich history of of. Uh, rural discontent. Um, in colonial era, we we saw um, 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 a series of peasant rebellions, for instance, um, which culminated, I guess, in the, um, the period of 1960 and 1965. This is uh, the height of, um, of populist project in, in agrarian politics. Um, this kind of regime at that time uh, was uh, uh, very committed in promoting land reform, uh, for instance. That um, changed after... Um, so, of course, we're talking about the, the Sukarno era, that, right. that, that, uh, that there's uh, um, uh, yeah, an acceptance of, of agrarian movements and, and even of, of that, that, that run the gambit, including communism. Right, right, right. So, uh, at... Well, in 1965, 1960-1965, actually, the uh, the Communist Party and its its peasant wing, the peasant uh, the, the the peasants fronts of Indonesia, uh, the BTI, um, they were a significant political force, who uh, which are which were very much committed in promoting um, land reform and all sorts of um, um, pro-peasant agendas. Really, um, that all changed in 1965. Uh, obviously, with the uh, the anti-communist purge and the rise of the new order regime, um, 
um, in 1965-1966. So uh, that was the turning point um, for agrarian policies in Indonesia from a very land reform oriented to a much more sort of capital intensive, big investment oriented, uh, and that lasted for uh, a couple of decades, actually. With probably very little wiggle room for um, peasant and agrarian movements to feel uh, safe to operate or to even to try to kind of raise their head for this, the 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 because of the just the dramatic um, purge. Um, is that I mean, is that an overstatement or is that they they went underground or were exterminated? Um, uh, well, the. Uh the left-wing peasant union, right, the the, the BTI, the, the Peasant Fronts of Indonesia, uh, they were banned. Um, in its place, the regime instituted the uh, corporatist, sort of state-sanctioned peasant union called uh, HKTI, the Indonesian Farmers Harmony Association. So that was the only peasant union allowed um, at that time. Uh, so uh, much more state control over peasant organizations, uh, and independent activism, obviously. Um, uh, at the same time, the, the regime also sort of um, promoted things like um, 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 subsidies for fertilizers uh, and agricultural technologies. To um, this is the this is the new order. The new order regime, regime. Yeah. right? So, uh, so in, in many ways, that may be they're kind of under not undermining, but uh, some of the things that uh, you know that you you know you read. Um, accounts from peasants in the 1960s of what uh, that politically they weren't necessarily attracted to communism, but the, the rice subsidies and and you know the kind of uh, aid and assistance welfare to farmers, and so it seems like so the new order is co-opting some of those strategies for uh, meeting the peasants where they are. Um, is it was it uh, to, was that in an effort to uh, to prevent? Um, uprising or revolt, or is that a is that a sort of look? We we've got to we're trying to develop rapidly the country, and so this is the pathway to that. I mean, it's it's a mixture of both. It's a mixture of um, containing um, communism and promoting development, rural development. Right, uh, that's the first goal. Uh, the second goal is it's a mixture of cooptation uh, and and concessions, uh, really. So uh, how to to how to keep the rural peasantry tamed, uh, basically. Uh, and the New Order regime needed that for um, stability, right, and economic development. So there's this, so there's this history of agrarian movements um, throughout the colonial period and, and, and in the immediate post-colonial period that, that, that culminate in, in the, in the 65 when it, when it, when they, when they shut down, right, right. Uh, when uh, the purge, um, uh, and you interest you you showed some data interesting over the last over the last decade. However, kind of flashing forward, right? We've seen a real um, spike in the number of, of agrarian uh, conflicts. So maybe you give us some context for maybe our, our listeners who who don't know um, uh, things things changed in Indonesia in the nineties and and beyond. And where do these peasant conf- agrarian conflicts come from? Right. I mean. We can trace it back all to the decades of 1970s and 80s, basically. So um, this was the period when the the state at that time, the regime, 
started to issue uh, what is called as the commercial lease rights or HGU in its Indonesian acronym, which uh, basically allows the state to issue lease rights to uh, big corporations. Uh, and these corporations can exploit lands up until 25 years for uh, profits, basically. And this was also the period when land grabbing cases started to intensify in many places in Indonesia. And <clears throat> as a result, during these decades, 70s and 80s, we saw um, early efforts um, um, to sort of um, counter the excesses of development. Um, activists uh, in legal aid foundations and university students They form action committees and all sorts of solidarity efforts to assist um, affected uh, citizens and, and, and peasants, for instance. And in early 90s, uh, there were attempts to establish um, independent peasant unions, although it did not last long. Uh, obviously, things changed rapidly uh, if we move fast forward to 1998, when the authoritarian regime collapsed and democratization happened, and this gave a lot of opportunities for peasants on one hand, but uh, as you pointed out, um, in the last two decades after democratization, actually we see an increasing rate of land dispossession in terms of the number of cases, as well as the area under disputes, basically. What, what, what role were, how significant were peasants in the, you know, the, the, you know um Obviously, there are a lot of things that that helped to re- contribute to the collapse of the regime. But uh, fuel prices and and commodity prices were 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 peasants a big part of that uh, uprising, um, or uh, or am I overstating that? Uh, it might be a bit a bit of an overstatement. Um, I'd say that they contribute to the uh, uh, to the uh, larger process of democratization, but uh, really. Uh, uh, I think it's the uh, urban-based yeah. cross-class uh, uh, protests Would and alliances class, that yeah. that uh, have more impact on uh, on the regime stability. Of course, rural discontent um, uh, play an important role in challenging the legitimacy of the regime at that time. But with the exception of several uh, famous cases, uh, like the famous case of protests against Kedung Ombo. Um, dam construction in 1992, uh, sorry, in 1990, uh, around that period, um, many of these uh, conflicts remain localized throughout the uh, uh, the New York regime. Uh, we, you know, beyond the, it it was difficult to know about this beyond activist circles, for instance. With the, again, with the exception of those few big cases. Yeah, that, that gives some some clarity, certainly. And so there's a, uh, there's kind of a political opening in in '98 uh, and in so many other ways. Uh, 
but then the, as you as you as you cite kind of in the 2000s and to the present there's this uh increase in in agrarian unrest um and you uh you looked at a few cases um uh one in Bulunkumba and uh North Bunkulu so um again for our listeners give us a give us a a quick kind of where are these places and why did you choose them okay um so just a quick um uh, addition to the, the statistics so if we see the period between 2009 until 2014, uh, the number of cases of agrarian conflicts actually increased by five times, from 80 in around 80 in 2009. That's steep, right? Uh, to uh, f- around 480 um, in um, 2014. How, how is a conflict defined? Does it? Uh, is it? It's it's a conflict with um, uh, both state and private entities, so both state apparatuses. As well as uh, so, does it have to? Does that have to? Does that mean it has to involve legal? It has to involve violence? It has to involve uh, street activism? Like what? Uh, so a, a conflict is. Um, it has to involve coercive uh, um, 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 takeover of okay. of peasants' lands, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got you. So so back to your field sites here. Yeah. Um, so uh, these uh, districts are located in the outer island provinces so these are located outside java to give you some um, um, geographical perspective here uh north bengkulu is located north bengkulu district is located in the province of bengkulu whereas bulukumba is located in south sulawesi province and there are several reasons uh, why i am interested in these two districts but i guess the most appealing re- uh, 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 the most attractive reason for me is that because for a while these uh, were the sites of uh, the most vibrant um, peasant activism. Uh, it captured the imagination of uh, and attention of many activists. Um, uh, their um, their activism uh, in these districts were published in national newspapers. Uh, so. And it became they became sort of a role model for for uh, for activists, for rural activists and peasants in other places. So, uh, in some ways, these two um, districts are, are are important case studies, really. So, so what was happening there? What uh, why the why the agrarian conflict? What were the issues? What was uh, um, uh, what was happening to to mobilize peasants? Mm-hmm. I guess I'll start with Bulukumba first. Um, Bulukumba is really a classic case of land grabbing. So uh, what what's been happening there really is that there is this um, rubber plantation company, a multinational company, Petelonsum, who has been in operation in the district uh, since 1919, actually. So they've been there. Uh, they, they arrived during the colonial era, actually. And starting from 1970s and 80s, really, in parallel with national development and in parallel with development in other places in Indonesia, um, with the backup of local military uh, uh, apparatuses at that time, they, uh, they, uh, they started to take away lands from uh, local peasants, basically. Um, accounts from... Um, my local interlocutors, um, my local informants in um, um, uh, in the district, um, as well as um, uh, uh, you know, 
land certificates that they have confirmed that um, indeed um, land grabbing by this uh, corporation occurred, uh, and that uh, that triggered the peasants to 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 mobilize to make their case really, uh, and it's a uh, so uh, so a, a multinational is is expanding its its. Uh, uh, it's it's acreage and in, in cringing uh, um, and uh, taking with the help of military and, and elites. I'm guessing as well. They they they're they're stealing market share from these peasants. Uh, are, they, are these small individual holdings that they're taking over right, one, one by one? Uh, small individual holdings one by one. So uh, this this land grabbing um, actually affects a lot of uh, peasant families, really. Uh, um, uh, from I mean, from the perspective of uh, a big multinational corporation, um, really, they say, they probably live physically on the land too. Yeah, yeah. So they so live. they're so it's not just their employment that is going away, but their their residence. Right, their their yeah. their yeah. livelihood basically, yeah. not just a source of income really. Um, so uh, I guess starting again uh, in parallel with national development in 1980s, uh, we also. Uh, Start. We we started to see protests basically by these um, uh, local peasants, and, and it it continues until now. And there are several phases of protests uh, as well. So in each phase, uh, peasants and activists actually uh, utilize different strategies. Are the are the activists local? Or are they from of a larger national concerns? Like are they a mix? Uh, it's a mix of both. Um, so the key activists uh, are mostly local, but then they build alliances, they establish networks, they try to um, 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 get things heard, um, and in doing that, they, they reach out, really, uh, and, and they, they try to make connections with, with, with other organizations and other networks. Uh, do you mind do you mind sharing with us some of your uh, some of your field notes that I thought were really great? And now this is this is this one from Bulungkumba, right? Yeah. So um, I guess I'll um, I'll read some of these. Okay. Um, this is uh, a note on the uh, um, the early protests in two thousand three. So Monday, July twenty first, two thousand three. Peasant activists and the indigenous people of Kaja in Upland Bulukumba were on their way to the rubber plantation estates owned by Pete Lonsum, a multinational rubber company ready to stage a demonstration in front of the estates. The next thing they know, not long after that, uh, not long after they staged their demonstration, the police force started shooting at them. Uh, the police force made several shots against the protesting peasants. Two protesters were killed. Others were wounded. Many fled the crowd. That day marked the incident between peasants in Upland Bulukumba and Petelonsum, a multinational rubber plantation company backed by local security forces. And these records are public records already. You, uh, 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 it's in the report of uh, human rights organizations in Indonesia. Uh, and in fact, the National Human Rights Commission issued a very thick report on this 2003 incident. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, I mean it's uh um the when you when you show up uh in in Bulukumba 
I guess the those uh, the literal and figurative wounds are still fresh, and um, the I'm I'm just guessing here that mm-hmm. the multinationals uh, didn't have a change of heart and give the land back. That <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, actually, when I got uh, uh, when I arrived there, when I visited Blokumba, this is back in twenty um, wait twenty sixteen, right? Um, they were mobilizing again. So after two thousand, after the two thousand three incident, what happened was that basically the movement was in decline for six years. Uh, people did not really do much uh, because they were traumatized, obviously, uh, with the incident. Uh, and then it was only uh, in starting in two thousand nine, twenty ten that peasants and activists started to mobilize again to uh, um, campaign for their rights. And another parallel development in the same district, actually, is that within the same period, 1970s, 1980s onwards, there was also a case of what is uh, now properly called as green grabbing, that is land grabbing in the name of uh, conservation. So Green grabbing. Right, green grabbing. So um, there were cases of uh, land grabbing, uh, people um, getting evicted from their homes um, in um, in several other villages. Um, this is not in upland Blukumba. This is in other areas of Blukumba. So, so the the how does the process work? The state says uh, this area has been declared forest preserve. Right. That's exactly uh, that's exactly uh, what uh, what was happening, uh, and they've um, they've been. Um, so they've been. Uh, it's so it's so, and then and then and then moved out to make it a forest, and then just turned over to rubber plantation. No, it's it's for conservation. Uh, that's uh, that's the uh, that's the reason that the the state, the the local governments, the the local district and provincial governments gave uh, to the peasants at that time that these uh, these are forest conservation. People are not supposed to live and do farming here, so you better move somewhere else. What's happening on those lands now? Um, they are advocating uh, for uh, uh, for their return. So some families actually uh, did return to um, uh, their former houses, and um, things might change for the better because the uh, the incumbent um, district government of Bulukumba uh, seems to be uh, more accommodating of, of of these demands after a, a series of intense mobilizations, obviously, uh, for for years. <clears throat> And they they actually team up um, um, with 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 peasants uh, in um, 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 in upland Blukumba, who whose lands were taken away by the multinational corporations. Huh. And um, it's a uh, when I when I interviewed peasants in um, these conservation areas, um, um, it's uh, it's interesting to see how they um, manage to maintain their spirits and. Uh, 
one of their strategies is to use sarcasm against these local <laughs> officials, really. So, uh, for right, the hypocrisy is so rich. That, right. Like, yeah. I mean, so there is this uh, uh, one um, sort of informal gathering between local officials uh, and politicians and the peasants, right? And as usual, these local officials and politicians told the peasants, well, you have to do this, this, and that. This is forest conservation areas, and uh, you have to respect this. The peasants told told them, okay, sure. Uh, but next time, if you uh, need people together uh, here uh, to listen to your... Uh, if you need um, a crowd to gather here to listen to your explanation or a crowd to vote for you, you better call those pigs and deers because you only <laughs> care about them. You don't care about us. So uh, you, you preserve them, but you don't preserve, preserve us. So... Uh, uh, those pigs and and, and deers will, uh, will will come and listen to your explanation and votes for you. So <laughs> get the vote out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Obviously, they're suffering. So the your your community, uh, another field site in in, in North Bunkulu, uh What were their issues? Were they similar? Were they different? It's uh, it's different. Uh, this is a, a successful case of land occupations. So this is in Sumatra. This is in Sumatra. Right, so what happened is that in this area, um, this area used to be under commercial lease rights of a corporation, uh, and this corporation did not extend its commercial lease rights. So technically, um, this is a land owned by an absentee landlord. Mm. Um, And seeing this opportunity, local peasants started to occupy um, these plots of land. Uh, but then the uh, the, the former um, uh, company. What, what are they? What are they growing? Uh, so the peasants, uh, they are growing um, rubber. Uh, the the company, uh, while they were still in the operation, they grow. Uh, so they grow. Um, they were growing rubber and uh, oil palm. Okay. Yeah, but they prefer oil palm. The the company prefer oil palm. Though the peasants, uh, they they prefer to um, grow rubber, um, so basically the the uh, the ownership of the company changed. Uh, the company's got a new owner, and that um, uh, so the peasants at that time were quite worried that uh, this might change the status of um, their land use uh, uh, of these plots of land. So. Um, they they started to to mobilize to advocate for for their right for their rights uh, for initially for land use in these plots of land. So we're um, it sounds like in uh, in Bulungkumba the 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 military or the, the local officials were were definitely on the side of the uh, of the multinational the business owner or mm-hmm. the. Uh, is it is that different in Bunkulu where these are absentee landlords and the are, are officials more likely to side with the, the the locals who are present as opposed to the um, these absentee landlords or not? Not not necessarily. I guess um, the level of repressiveness was more severe in Bulukumba, um, um, but the the company obviously tried to influence the the local security forces, whether it's the police yeah. or the military. 
uh, they also hired, uh, well, basically private thugs to intimidate peasants on several occasions. Uh, but the peasants got uh, their own union, so um, they uh, uh, they are not struggling on an individual basis, right? So they are struggling collectively, and that 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 strategy empowered them. us about the comparative case between the, the these these local cases, the Bulukumba and and um, North Bengkulu, and uh, other other national are the are these are these outliers or these um, kind of uh, very much in line with what's happening in other regions? Um, what is the give us a sense of what the national landscape in Indonesia versus uh, the cases you looked at? Mm-hmm. Uh, these are outliers, I'd, I'd say. Um, um, you said that they're 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 influential. The the influence. So these are they're are they perceived as successful ones by right. by other peasant movements. Oh right, um, they're perceived as successful ones, uh, especially in North Bengkulu, because they actually uh, managed to uh, uh, won their case, uh, and they managed to get um, their occupied lands. Uh, uh, um, certified, so it's hmm. their lands now. Actually, they have like title and everything. They have title, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right. So it's a um, um, it's a it's a real victory uh, for uh, for these peasants in terms of attaining land ownership. And <clears throat> was, was that ruling uh, provincial or national? Where did that where did that case come down to? Um, it's it's all settled by um, district government. Okay, basically. So. Um, uh, what happened with decentralization? Uh, because of decentralization, in Indonesia, a lot of authorities were actually devolved to the district governments. So district government now has a lot of say in handling these matters. Um, so we might see a, quite a bit of variety depending on local composition. Of- e- exactly. Uh, that's uh, uh, that's one point. Another point is that these really are pockets of. Um, um, of local victories, um, I don't think we see similar situation at the national level um, for for several reasons. First of all, at the national level, we see a much more fragmented peasant movement landscape. There are different peasant organizations at the national levels, and um, they don't always work together, which makes it hard for for them to come up with a common platform. Is it that they're the individual uh, cases or the circumstances of their uh, are so different that that there's not a common script or that you know why I guess why can't they come together? Do you think these 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 peasant movements across Indonesia? Partly because of the disagreements among the activists, uh, the, the early activists involved in these movements, and um, that. Uh, that had a huge impact on, um, um, you know, the, the strength of the movement, the overall strength of the movement. Um, and also because this, the situation is much more um, complicated at the national level. Imagine how yeah. many commercial lease rights that the national government 
um, has to um, has to uh, take care and and to sort of overhaul or to um, um, limit the uh, um, the the expansion of of the issuance of these commercial lease rights. Uh, unless there is a uh, strong enough pressure nationally um, to do so, uh, I guess it's a uh, uh, the chance of uh, you know having uh, commercial lease rights cancellations are are pretty slim, really. Well, and as you point out, I guess with decentralization, the is that the uh, it it has to rely on um, you can you can have whatever national aspirations you want, but uh, those might those might um, founder on the, you know, the, the whatever district uh, um, rulings or uh, cases come out. So, so you can you can say anything you want at the national level, but it's really at the at the much local level where things are happening. Right. Uh, uh, at least in these last two decades, that's uh, uh, that's the situation. So this is very different with the situation in Brazil, where at least at one point you had a very vibrant peasant movement pushing for land reform and at the same time nationally centrally organized nationally uh, organized this is uh, you know this is the uh, the landless workers movement right and at the same time you had a, a government uh, representing that social base uh, which mm-hmm. is also committed to uh, to implement land reform so uh, you had essentially national level accommodation of peasant interests uh, and that is not happening in Indonesia at least not yet and uh, is are other are other countries in a similar uh, position to Indonesia, or has that has that has that uh, is this a disadvantage that Indonesia faces as it tries to um, increase the uh, you know, welfare of, of of peasants? Are there are there other international cases that are an interesting counterpoint to Indonesia or similarity? I mean. Um Arguments have been made for for land reform, right? That uh, by doing land reform, it actually promoted industrialization, um, um, and that's the reason for sort of um, the promotion of land reform from above, from the state itself. Um, this is what happened, say, in in Taiwan um, in sixties, um, seventies, and um, by um, allowing peasants to um, have enough plots of land and produce enough for themselves and to be sold in a marketplace that actually sort of moves the economy and gives more incentive uh, uh, for industrializations. Is this a is this a fundamental conundrum of of contemporary Indonesia then that it's it, is it is it stuck because uh, uh, decentralization. Uh, won't allow it to get over that hurdle. That while, while necessary, given its uh, authoritarian past, is this or is that uh, is that too simplistic a characterization? I'm, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't say it's because of decentralization. I'd say it's because of uh, the sort of the rent-seeking tendencies of um, these uh, business enterprises. Um, if we see Indonesian growth, for instance, uh, in the last couple of, in the last couple of years, it's mostly driven either by consumption. Or extraction of natural resources, such as mining, for instance. So, really, uh, for in some sections, uh, or, or for, for or in fact for many actors in the business world, they 
probably do not really have big incentive to you know invest in technology uh, uh, and the like because well it's more uh, profitable to um, 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 to have mining business or to have plantation businesses uh, the question is at what cost uh, both in terms of um, human cost and in terms of the uh, sort of larger uh, developmental goals right so I guess these 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 industries that potentially could be being built in Indonesia are instead either just like uh, consumer um, uh, consumer related consumption related or or mining uh, lumber uh, you know, extractive right, resources right. that don't uh, when it's gone it's gone and it doesn't build a, a middle class workforce or a you know a upwardly mobile mm-hmm. um, so what are what are some of the are there are there some positive takeaways <laughs> from our, from from your research I, I mean you 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 have two successful cases right um, and uh, what are uh, positive or otherwise what do you think some of the takeaways I guess from um, um, I well two uh, two takeaways I guess uh, that's uh, that's 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 the right uh, num- amount that's the right number I guess of first is that um, in 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 you know in these successful cases, um, um, typically peasant movements they employ a different um, range of strategies. So um, um, they uh, these peasant movements they rely a lot on sort of peasant mobilizations, street politics, um, but they also utilize um, um, lobby, uh, for instance. Um, and in recent years, they they think. Uh, they start to think more about economic organizing, what to do uh, once we uh, regain our lands, for instance. So uh, in, in the more successful cases of peasant movements, uh, which manage to maintain um, um, their organizational sustainability, their operation really, is uh, this is the case uh, of peasant movements uh, that are able to sort of branch out uh, their activities, sort of uh, moving on from early sort of advocacy efforts, very street politics oriented, to a more um, uh, to other things like um, uh, establishing cooperatives to organize agricultural production and marketing activities, uh, building schools for um, members of these unions. For their children, is there increased political engagement from these actors? I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, um, uh, so because at the end of the day, they they gotta be involved with local politics, uh, right? Um, um, probably they don't uh, participate as, uh, of course, for most of the time they don't participate as candidates, for instance, but they shape local politics through this uh, mobilization and lobbying efforts uh, and getting their voices heard and. Um, uh, in a way so that their demands can be accommodated by uh, local political and economic elites. Well, great. Well, Ikra, I want to thank you for your for your time. Thank and, you so much uh, for inviting me. Yeah, and uh, um, uh, come back soon. Thanks. Thank you. Crossroads would like to thank Michael McSweeney and the students of NIU Study Abroad program in Bali for today's music. And achieve for production assistance. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.